Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're in a deep dive study of the Gospel of Mark titled, The Jesus I Never Knew, where we plan to get more personal and more intimate and become more Christ-like through the lens of Scripture. We hope that you'll enjoy this teaching and share to make more readily accessible to those you love. We love you and God bless. I won't lie to you. I'm, I'm here this morning in a place of, of vulnerability. It's been a tough week for me. I, uh, I have a rule in my office as I look out and I can see quite a few people who have came and seen the rule is you'll notice in my office there are no tissues. And those who have been in my office in situations where most of the time people have tissues. I don't have tissues because if you are vulnerable, if you are sad, if you are defeated and you come to my office, I'm sad, I'm vulnerable, I'm defeated with you. When you cry, I cry with you. And I I know people in here who can attest to that because they've seen it. And this week... In a week of preparation and heading into uh, this teaching, I'm not going to lie, the devil has worn heavy on me. I have uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about how unqualified I am. spent a lot of time really resonating with John. And I'm going to push through this and we're going to read. When you have the book of Mark, if you will, uh, stand with me. We're going to read these first eight verses of the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, picking up back at verse 1. I'm back in the English Standard Version. It says, The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance For the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. And John declares, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful, Lord. Thankful for one another. Thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God. 
We're just so thankful this morning to be able to be in your house, God. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, that we would have a commitment to you, that we would stand on Scripture, that we'd stand on your promises, Lord, that we would seek a Holy Spirit baptism in our lives to purify and cleanse our hearts and show us yourself, God, to present yourself in our deepest, darkest places, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So this week, guys, I was preparing us for what will be the introduction to the Gospel of Mark. As I've told you, 57, there are breaks in there, just so you guys know. Alright? There are breaks about every 8 to 10 weeks, anywhere ranging from 3 to 4 weeks, to give us a breath, to come back and and focus on Mark. But as I really focused this morning, as I really focused this week on this passage of Scripture, I was just wrecked. I was absolutely wrecked by verses 6-8. through eight. And we know, according to Jesus, that John is this sort of last Old Testament prophet And I get it, but he comes at the beginning of the New Testament. It's confusing, I know. But John, comparatively, is like that of Elijah. And Elijah was this one that we saw who who didn't fit into the mold of society. This one who, who, who just didn't check all the normal boxes. right? Maybe you're here this morning, and in this Christian journey, in this Christian walk, You don't feel like you've checked all the boxes. And you don't look like what people expect. And you may not talk like what people expect. And sometimes that leaves you on the outskirts. Right? This place where John is, as he's out here by the River Jordan, this signifies a couple things. He is on the outskirts. The outermost portion of the place. He's literally sent himself to to reclusion in the desert, away from society, away from the norms. And here John is, in the, literally in the desert, and he's bringing a baptism of repentance. And the, the priest, which is comparatively what John is here, the priest of his time, the priest of his day, they wore the, the most elegant cloth. And they wore these robes. And on the outside, they looked so holy and they looked so pure. And just regularly, their hearts were wretched. Their hearts were so entangled to the law that they couldn't see the passion that was to come from Jesus. When Jesus comes and says He's a fulfillment of the Old Testament, what they answered with was hostility. We must crucify Him. And last week we saw that. In these final moments before Jesus loses total freedom, He has every opportunity to run. He has every opportunity to flee. And it looks like on the outside that that's what John's doing here in the the desert. But what he is doing is consecrating himself. He is making himself pure by adamantly and vehemently pursuing God. How do we know that he's pursuing God? Because the gospel... 
that he proclaims is one of repentance. Turn from our eye that judges our neighbor. Turn from our hearts that want to crucify our neighbor and pursue God intimately. And we've made no qualms to tell you that a personal relationship with God is not private. It is one that wrecks you to the core, to a place where you begin to exclaim in the most public circles, in the most public places, that I worship the crucified one. That Jesus came and died our death on the cross. And I do, I believe there's an intimate knowledge that John the Baptist has here in the desert. We, we know that he has this intimate knowledge because he is quite literally living the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Malachi 3.1, as we see here in verse 2, this is literally just Malachi 3.1. It says, it says as it is written in uh, Isaiah the prophet, but this is actually this first prophecy is Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. And I get it, it's kind of a, a strange way of saying it, right? Said another way in the CSB, it says, As it is written, Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. There's one that goes before us. And John the Baptist, literally his life, his, his purpose in life was to go before Jesus and begin to prepare a road he, he quite literally paved the road that prepared a way to make it to Jesus. And how many of us... Last week I ended with a simple question. But the simple question was not simple. It, it should have wrecked you to the core. Does our pursuit of God... Does the way that we live our lives... Does it deter other people from the cross? And the problem is, there are people who answer yes, but their lives tell a different story. The faith on which they, they think they stand is a shallow faith. It's mere lip service. They, they may have said a prayer, but they've never had a heart change. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to follow one who has prepared the way? It is to change your old way of living and see the new creation inside of you that is only present if your life has truly changed and you have truly found faith in Christ Jesus. If you can say a prayer and continue to live the former way of self, the former way never becomes the former way because it just continues to be the way, then you have merely committed lip service. Your heart is unchanged and you will be one of the ones that stands before Christ Jesus on that day of judgment and He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Quite literally, there will be tears, there will be shouts, there will be screams as they're dragged away from the Lamb. But their hearts dragged others away from the Lamb. Their way of life dragged others away from the Lamb. And there will be a day where they must pay for the sin. See, there are sins of both omission and commission. There are sins that you know that you do and you commit. And then there are sins 
that are deep inside you. They are ingrained inside you. And quite often you don't even know that you do it. Because it's what's natural to man. And here is John in the wilderness proclaiming first this message of Malachi 3.1 which is one of the messianic prophecies. And then look, there's a second messianic prophecy here in verse 3. It says the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Everybody say this with me. Prepare. I don't think you actually believed it. You just said it. That's lip service. I just, I literally just spent 13 minutes telling you about lip service, guys. Let's say it like we mean it. Prepare. prepare. We must prepare the way of the Lord and make His path straight. Y'all, we got to do better. We have to live more radically obedient and more faithful to Christ Jesus. Because if we don't, we're no better than the sinners who we try and compare ourselves to because we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. And John appeared... Baptizing in the wilderness. The very river Moses never got to cross to come into the promised land. And now here's John standing in this river declaring, we're not worthy, we're unholy, we're not righteous, and yet He still loves us. You want hope? That's it. We'll never deserve it, and yet He gives it. And John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, the baptism that John gave, the the, the baptism in the water, this is an outward sign, right? And if you look down to verse 8, he says, I've baptized you with water, but he, being Christ Jesus, will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit. You see, the baptism that Jesus brings is internal. The baptism that Jesus brought, that He laid His life, He was beaten for, He was crucified for, He was placed into a tomb, and He left the tomb. He left it empty and carried us. Carried our sins as far as the east is from the west. That baptism is internal. It's a change of heart. It is by very definition repentance. Repentance is an about face. I was on one path and I stopped. Halt. I turned and changed my path because I saw I saw my ways and I knew that they did not align with Christ Jesus. That is by very definition repentance. And all over the country of Judea And all of Jerusalem were going out to Him and were baptized by Him in the River Jordan. The priests, the holy people within the city will find out in a little bit. They were pretty angry about John. Why? 
Because quite literally, He took people away from tradition and the system and took them to a new way of life. Remember, He just prepared the way for Jesus. If you've ever heard the expression, somebody will say, don't get mad at me, I'm just the mailman. I just deliver the news. And that's John. Here's John in the desert, John in the wilderness. And he says, look guys, you can be mad at me all you want, but I'm just the mailman. And John, he's clothed in camel's hair. What you and I in today's world, anybody ever seen a burlap sack? Anybody ever tried to lay on a burlap sack or cover themselves with a burlap sack? It's pretty itchy, isn't it? Not comfortable. It's almost like if you attempt to wear burlap, it's to point you to the fact that we are not to be comfortable in this life. It's almost like in the Old Testament, repeatedly we see people that say they're clothed in sackcloth. And what immediately follows? Mourning. And again, consecration. Devoting themselves to Christ. Devoting themselves to the coming Messiah. And back in verse 1, we saw this is the beginning of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or Jesus, your translation might say, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Messiah. And what does this mean? It means the anointed one. The Savior of the world. Said another way, the Son of God. I'm just a mailman. Don't get mad at me. And here's John in the desert. Wearing the thing that makes you vulnerable, the thing that makes you ostracized, the thing that puts you into the outskirts. This would be what you wore when you mourned. This would be what you, you wore when you fasted. And that's his normal appearance. That's what he normally wears. Why? Because his entire life was consecration. It was fasting. It was mourning. Why? Because John is the final beacon that says the old way is gone. Behold, there's a new creation. And it comes only through Christ Jesus. I won't lie to you, I had the devil on my back really hard this week. I started Monday at a pastor's meeting around guys who are a lot more qualified than I am. They looked the part a whole lot more than I am, than I do. And I got in that room, and I'm not going to lie, my little eye, the one that compares instead of finding their fault, found every fault within me that told me how unworthy that I am. You see, I needed that. I needed to be humbled. I needed to turn my paths to Christ Jesus. And I fear that too many people will never have their hearts wrecked that same way. Show them their faults. To show them the right way of living. There will be too many people who declare status by earthly things. How they present themselves. What they look like. What kind of car they drive. How big their house is. There are too many people that, that find material objects to be their savior. To be their status symbol. Our status symbol, guys, at the most intimate and personal level 
is to be depleted, to be humbled, and to have a faith like a child. You know what faith like a child is? It's every week when we tell our boys, Sunday, it's time for church, to see the excitement they have to be in God's house. Every Wednesday night, as they are picked up from daycare and school and say, is it church? Is it time for church? I'm heartbroken because how many adults, how often do we get that just enthralled to come and be in the house of God? We don't. We turn it into another box to check. And we stop pursuing God at some point in time. It's why our nation looks the way that it does. It's why our world looks the way that it does. Because at some point in time, we folded and we gave up. Maybe you never knew faith to begin with. You guys, there are people out there that think they are saved and that they will see heaven because their mother and father have just always went to church. My grandpa, he always went to church. So I'm going to heaven. But you've seen no heart commitment, no life dedication, no way of change, no repentance in your life. I'm going to cheat a little bit and we're going to go forward. I want you to look at verse 15. If you have a red letter Bible, you're going to notice something very specific. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The first order of business for Jesus. What is John doing in the wilderness, guys? Baptizing for lives that have seen repentance, lives that have seen change, lives that have seen a new dedication to God and God alone. And what is the first order of business we find from Jesus here in verse 15? And Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Your translation may say, The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. And when Jesus says gospel here, it's not gospel, that's the good news. He is saying, repent, believe in the gospel, and He is the gospel. He is the good news. He is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of all that has been promised to us. He is because He is. He is the great I Am. And there are too many people that don't see that and they don't get excited by that. Why? Because the first part. Repent. I like my sin. It is fun. And there's not enough commitment to God to have them decommit from the old way of living. And we see here, verse 8, John says, I have baptized with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The promise that John stands on here is fulfilled right here in verse 15. 
Repent and believe in the gospel. How can you be baptized with the Spirit? Believe in Christ Jesus who is the gospel. He is the fulfillment. He is the promise. He is the I Am. Yahweh saves. That is literally His name. Yeshua. Yehoshua. Yahweh saves. God is salvation. Why don't people want repentance? Because look at verse 7. Repentance requires humility. And he preached saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I. And there are too many people that are afraid of that statement. They are the God of their life. They are the greatest part of their own lives. They think that salvation comes through self. After me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals. You want to talk about an insult, guys? This right here is like, this is Old Testament fighting words. Say you're walking around Jerusalem. Roughly 30 to 34 AD. And you walk up to someone and say, you're not worthy to untie the straps of my sandals. That you literally, with words, have spit in their face. Why? Because that is the position of the slave. Not the doulos slave who, who is on the, the, a loving understanding with the, with the homeowner. Not a, a loving slave who is a, an extended part of the family. No, you are a servant. You are the lowest of the low. And John says, I am the lowest of the low and I don't deserve to even untie his sandals. Too many people have never found that humility in their lives. I've come to God because I'm worthy of God. You are wrong. We are unworthy. We don't deserve His love. And He freely gives it. He freely pours it out on us. And I had to face that this week. There's nothing I could do to earn where I am. It is appointment by God. And He has His hand on me. It's not always the easiest thing to grasp. You might be beat down in public squares. You might be belittled by those who you think are your friends. But God has His hand on you. And there's nothing anyone that can say or do to take that away from you. Why? Because as we see in Ephesians 1, when we have this new way of life in Christ Jesus, we are quite literally sealed by the Holy Spirit. God quite literally has His hands on you. Maybe you've never made that kind of commitment that you could personally feel the hands of God on you. My prayer for you is this morning before we leave this place, you come and get on your face. And say, God, I want that kind of personal, intimate, personal and intimate relationship with you. When I can feel your hands on me. When the world tries to drag me away, I feel your hand that says, not this one. He is mine. In all five of these weeks that we've looked at the, the introduction of hope, 
It all comes to to fulfillment and fruition right here in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came. The world changed right there, guys. The world will never be the same because Mark 1.9. In those days, Jesus came. In your life, have you had a Mark 1.9 moment where in these days, Jesus came and put His hands on you? I am heartbroken by how many people have never been wrecked by the love of God. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Again, an Old Testament insult. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Imagine your neighborhood, your subdivision, your street. If everybody in the world said that is the most evil, just wretched place, that would be to be compared to Nazareth. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus, the greatest one of all, took on a position of humility that He didn't have to to be a symbol for us. Humble yourself. The greatest one of all humbled Himself and was baptized by John. John says, I'm not even worthy to untie the strap of your boot. Can you imagine that interaction? As John just just unleashes the tears and the moaning and the consecration is all prepared for this moment. And Jesus comes and says, Cousin, I love you. You baptize me. John, in that moment, you got to know was just wrecked. I can't, Jesus. I'm not worthy. I can't even untie the straps of your boot. I'm sure Jesus took him in a moment of embrace. You can because I am. You don't have to worry about what the world thinks anymore. What you've been out in this desert preparing for, I am, I'm here. You want your life changed? Look at this, verse 10. And when Jesus came up out of the water, immediately He saw the heavens being torn open. And weeks ago I challenged you and I asked you, what do you think the, re- what do you think the goal of life is? And myself before, before really studying this, these, these passages, is to get to heaven, right? And I told y'all don't raise your hand because I don't want you to be like me. The goal is right here, guys. Jesus opened. It opens right here. And the goal of life became to prepare those around us and to bring heaven to earth. 
Why? Because this is the closest to heaven that some will ever see. And thank God for for, for those who know Jesus, this is the closest to hell you'll ever have to see. Immediately the heavens torn open and the Spirit was descending on Him like a dove. The symbol of the Holy Spirit, the symbol of of just lowliness and humility, of peacefulness. And the Spirit descended on Him like a dove. You know why? Because in that moment, God the Father has His hand on Jesus and says, I'm here with you. It's going to be tough. John 16.33 tells us, Jesus says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. Verse 11, and a voice, literally guys, the voice of God. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. Creator of the cosmos, the creator of the world sent his son, sent God in the flesh here to earth to die our death. Quite literally, to take our baptism, to be humbled, to take our sin, to take our depravity, and carry it as far as the east is from the west. If you want to know why I'm emotional today, it's because of this. God didn't have to, but he did. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Watch what happens. The devil thinks that he's going to tempt Jesus at his lowest time. But this right here tells us God has his hand on Jesus. Verse 12, the Spirit, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Think about this, guys. John is on the, he's on the outermost, baptizing. And where John is, Jesus goes even further into the depths of the wilderness. Even further away from civilization. Even further away from the righteous system, the traditions of man. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Matthew... Matthew, I love the Gospel account of Matthew because after this... Matthew says, and he was hungry. And he's being tempted by Satan. Not by by demons, not by evil spirits. You see, Satan's not omnipresent, omnipotent, omni-everything. Satan can only be one place because he's just a man, a fallen man. And here we see the Satan himself tempting Jesus. Other gospel accounts will go into great detail of how thorough the temptation was. And you see the the lies that the Satan, the deceiver, the accuser brings to Jesus. He says, if you follow me, if you give your life to me, I'll give you all these things. The things that already belonged to Jesus. 
If you will come follow me, if you'll give yourself to me, I'll give you all the power, the power that was already Jesus. And he was with the wild animals. And the Greek, this word here for the wild animals can have a dual meaning, evil, unclean spirits. Satan himself tries to tempt Jesus. He sends him to a band of demons who begin unclean spirits to tempt Jesus. And look at this, guys. The angels were ministering to him. God literally had his hands on Christ Jesus, just like he has his hands on you right now. But only if you've given your life to him, only you've entered into a path of repentance, only if you are pursuing Christ personally, which becomes a public proclamation. And now after John was arrested, remember I told y'all, yeah, the, the religious guys, they didn't like what John was doing out there. Why? Because they thought you could only come to us. You could only come to the established way. You can only come to tradition. The same man-made restrictions they attempted to apply to Jesus. Jesus quite literally is the temple and they attempt to tell Jesus you can't proclaim the gospel in the temple. Jesus is the gospel. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The gospel goes to the innermost to proclaim the good news of Himself. And He was saying, the time is fulfilled. He is the fulfillment, guys. All roads led to Jesus. All prophecies led to Jesus. All unfulfilled prophecies are leading to Jesus. And one day they will be met in fulfillment when Christ Jesus comes again. When that day comes, a prayer will not make you righteous. When that day comes, a walking down an aisle doesn't make you righteous. It becomes from Quite literally, a heart change. You must decrease. He must increase. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe in the Gospel. I'm not going to lie to y'all, I had a whole lot of notes. Whole lot of notes. But all that lost in comparison to this, the Word of God. 
The strength on which we stand comes from the Word of God. And we preach Christ and Him crucified. So this morning, as we enter into a time of of invitation, we enter into a time of consecration, I've got to ask you, have you ever actually humbled yourself before Him? Have you ever actually came forward and declared that I am not worthy to untie His sandals and yet He loves me? Please do not leave this place today before you have submitted yourself to Him. If there is anything that you, you want to pray for this morning, look at me guys. Look, Everybody look at me. Eyes up for one moment. Don't worry about what anybody around you thinks. Don't worry about what anybody around you might say. This is your time to consecrate yourself before God. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful, Lord, to be in Your house, to be in Your presence, God. And I just, I just pray that this morning, Lord, that we come before You humbly, that we submit ourselves to You, God, and that we must decrease and You must increase, God. I pray that this morning You would point us to Yourself, that those who may not know You would be drawn to Your name, be drawn to Your voice, be drawn to Your loving kindness, Your steadfast love. And I pray this morning, God, if there's anyone here that needs to just lay anything down at the foot of the cross, God, to lay anything down at the altar, that the weight is too heavy and they're tired of carrying it, God, that they come to you, those who are weary and heavy laden, God, and lay it all down at the foot of the cross, that we come to you to find rest. And I pray this morning that someone here will find rest. They'll find love for their weary soul. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.